So, Chavar, we are starting today, Patek, Yutches. And just a quick recap, when the Alter Rebbe is speaking about the Benini and interpreting the Pasuk in Chumash, Ki Karayv Eilecha Hadavar Ma'oid, Deficha Ubulvavcha La'asoysoy, that the Karav Eilecha Hadavar, the Hadavar is the observance of all the mitzvahs. And as we mentioned, that the observance of the mitzvahs is in the realm of the behavior, it's in the realm of the levushim of the person, which is action, speech, and thought. And how is it very near to everyone to be fully observant? So the Alter Rebbe explained that beficha, beficha means that when a person is going to be saying words of tayr and words of davening, and ubilvavcha, ubilvavcha refers to the meditating to the hisboinanus, that people will spend time when they're davening and when they're learning, and they're learning chasidus. Uh, they're going to be meditating about the greatness of Hashem, even the Benini, who cannot fully get rid of the animal soul, but during those moments of his Bainanus, during davening with fire, during learning with Geshmak, then the Benini will feel like a tzaddik. Because during those moments, through contemplation on the greatness of Hashem, even the animal soul understands and therefore feels and desires to get closer to God, so these moments will be moments in which there will not be inner, inner tension because the person is not doing that which is against his instincts. At that time, the person will feel and desire God as well, not only from the godly soul, but from the animal soul. And al Rebbe beforehand already said that not every Benini is fully able to inspire his animal soul even during davening, even during learning. So those lucky ones are called, that's called a avoida tama, that's a wholesome service of God. And even if someone doesn't get to arouse his feelings, but at, like we spoke last week, he at least gets to want, to want. It's called the benini of kach yo'asa. So at least, at least that there is enough emotion that we want to really want, that's enough to inspire the benini at least during certain moments to want to keep the mitzvahs. At, th- at those moments, again, the observance won't be going against any inner opposite instinct, any inner opposite feeling. And once a person has at least some of those moments, then they have the koyach to be the dominant, to be the moishal over the animal, over the yetzer hara, even when the person is not inspired. So the Alter Rebbe begins Pedik Yudches, speaking to those, to those Hasidim, that are unable to focus, they are unable to do any level of his So the question is, if they are unable to contemplate enough to somehow move the animal soul, which might be the illness of our generation that we have very little uh, concentration power, so we can't even, uh, we can't even uh, be misbeinen enough to win over the animal soul, so what now? which must have been real cases of Hasidim who told the Alter Rebbe, you're telling me what to be misbeinen on. I don't know how to do it. I'm doing it. It's not working. I can understand in my mind about the greatness of God, but that's not the topic. Here the goal is to, to arouse the heart. I am not creating any new feelings in the animal soul. I am unable to do misbeinenes. So the Alter Rebbe now, for the next eight chapters speaks about a whole different type of uh, abenini. One who is unable through his or her work to somehow inspire the animal. They are unable to do it. However, 
the Alter Rebbe says, he introduces the phenomenon, which is really counterintuitive, that every Jew, simply by the fact that he or she is Jewish, is Yiddish, inherits, inherits from Avram Avinu, what we call the Ahava HaMisuteres, a natural love that is hidden, but we already have it, so we don't have to create something new for which you have to have a certain amount of concentration as Bainanos, even if you are yet unable to do it, you already have it. You already have that love. The love might be hidden. All you need to do is to arouse or to awaken that which you already have. Now this concept that we, because we are descendants of Abraham and Yitzchak and Yaakov, that we are Yodish, we are heirs to Ahava is a very interesting phenomenon. Because normally, if you look at the world, what parents can bequeath to their children are things. So if a parent passed away wealthy, so he bequeathes the wealth to his children. But when it comes to, let's say if the father was very scholarly, father was a big Talmud Chacham, and the child never learned. So we don't find in the world that the father passed away, boom, the next day the son wakes up, he was Yiddish, all of his father's knowledge. It doesn't work that way. Something external can go on. Even physically, something biological. The DNA of the parent is bequeathed to the child. But something that, that the father himself acquired, Avram Avinu acquired this Ahava. Avram Avinu wasn't born that way. He worked on himself. So normally something that you yourself needed to acquire, you can't bequeath to your children. Right, a parent did a lot of exercise and he became very uh, strong. If it was his own avoida, the kids won't inherit that. We find, however, from Chazal, that even though the avois and the imois, they did their work, they needed to acquire ahava to Hashem. And this ahava doesn't only mean ahava, it means ahava and yira. But once they acquired it, it became something so part of who they are, it became, so to say, their essence, that now this is something that is bequeathed to the children. Now what exactly is that? So the Alter Rebbe goes on to explain the Valdek, that we all have our highest faculty, and we're using now the Seder of the Sphiris as Chabad Hasidus emphasizes, in which... Keser is not one of the ten Sphiris. Keser, in, in the way we order the, the Sphiris, is something beyond the ten Sphiris. It's the supra-rational powers, the emun of the person. We are counting the ten Sphiris from Chachma. Chachma being the first of the ten. So Chachma Bina, then we don't have Keser, we count Das. Chachma Bina Das, and then we have the seven emotions. What is Chachma? And we just put yesterday, we read the Hayyim Yoyim, the Alter Rebbe, the Rebbe's quoting, the Friedrich Rebbe's quoting, one of the Sifri Kabbalah, and he's quoting also Pasha de Nigla and Yerushalmi, the definition of Ruach HaKadosh, that the Chachma of our Nefesh, the power of Chachma, which is the power to be so humble, so selfless, that this automatically opens up the person to receiving that which is unknowable. Normally, how can you know what's unknowable? You have to be a real keli. And Bechlal, the rule is that God is constantly giving. In many cases, we are not receiving, not because God is not giving, it's because we are not a recipient. Many things are that way. 
Why are we not a recipient? Because when, you're, when, when a cup is full, there's no room for something new. So what is the solution? When the cup feels empty, an empty cup will receive the blessing. So there are different levels of humility. We're speaking about a very deep mind humility. When a person has the ability to completely put all of their preconceived notions aside, they begin with the premises that they know nothing. That humility, that bitul, that's called koyach ma, the power that comes from ma meaning what? Meaning I don't know. The greater the bitul in the mind, the more chachma the person will have. And what does the chachma and that the chachma of the soul receive, it receives that which is unknowable, that which is beyond understanding. What is beyond understanding? God. So to say that someone knows God, the word in the knowing in the Torah is used when you know something. Something that's knowable could be known. Something that's unknowable because it's greater than our understanding cannot be known. So we cannot grasp Hashem with Bina. We cannot grasp Hashem with Das. We grasp Hashem, so to say, with Chachma. Dafka, because we are not. So why can we not know? If something is 10 ounces big, it can't hold in it something that's 10 ounces and a half. It cannot hold in it something that's 1,000 ounces. It doesn't fit. But if that receptacle becomes completely humbled, so it's not. If it's not, the good part of it is now it can receive everything. Because it has no inherent limits that limit that which is trying to go inside of it. So the key to knowing God is not the way we know everything else by applying your Bina or your Das. It's by applying your Chachma. Now the ability of being humble in our minds to be able to be open to that which is unknowable that is something that we inherit from Avram Avinu. We inherited from Avram Avinu the power of Chachma. And therefore, and that means that every Yid, by nature, biologically, or if a person converted, biologically, spiritually, they automatically have a very powerful Chachma. And being that we have Chachma, so we already know God. Well, there's a very beautiful definition that we're going to go through later when someone says they believe in something. So the question is, why do you believe in it? And appreciate the fact that if they give the answer to the question, then it's no longer belief. Belief, Dafka, refers to that, that which you cannot... Something that's... I, I cannot explain to you why I believe in it. Right? I don't believe that the shtender is here. I know that it's here. Because it's physical, and I'm using my chushim, whether it is sight or whether it is touch, to, to, to know it. You believe in that which you cannot pick up with your senses. So, so why do you believe in it? So the words that we're going to have here in Tanya is, is that your neshama, your chachma of your neshama is able to know. It so to say sees God. But being that God is unknowable, so you cannot fully see it. So whatever your soul knows, you believe in. Now, if a person is cut off from their chachma, then they have to unclog that. But they don't have to contemplate to create new feelings. The moment we, we have access to our chachma, we all have chachma. Our chachma knows God, which is a gavaldika thing. And the Alter Rebbe goes on a lengthy explanation here, pointing out a phenomena that we only find by the Jewish people. 
And this is actually, if someone asks, how do you know that there's something unique in the Jewish soul? This, this is one of the answers. That we are the only people in the world that continuously, a large part of our people, gave up their lives for God and for Yiddishkeit, even people that consciously and behaviorally denied the existence of God and were not observant. Many peoples in the world were moistened nefesh for their beliefs, continuously. Until today, many people, many people, they give up their lives for, for, for what they believe in. You will never find anyone other than a Jew that will tell you his or her truth, which is they don't believe in God, they're not aware of their belief, and they're not observant. And yet, they give up their lives for Yiddishkeit. Doesn't make sense. That's a phenomena that you only find by the Jewish people. In other words, the fact that Avraham Avinu was Meisah Nefesh, he wasn't because he was Meisah Nefesh because he understood something and he was giving his life for that which he understood. That's because his Pintaliyid, his he was he, he had a he developed the Kayach of Chachma, and that became part of who he is, and we bequeathed that to us. And his Chachma knew that there was God, and you cannot disconnect yourself from God. Even if you are not aware of your knowledge of God, that's the chap. You still cannot disconnect yourself from God. Now that doesn't mean that there was never a Jew that, never, that didn't go on the serious nefesh. Many Jews did not go on the serious nefesh. But many Jews, even recently, they went on the serious nefesh and they cannot explain to you why. If they would have survived it. They don't, they don't know why. They don't believe in it. Like Daniel Pearl, why, why, who asked it? They, before they cut his head off, I'm a Jew, my father is Jewish, my mother is Jewish. He did not live an observant life. Now, I don't know whether he said he believed in God, but during the Holocaust, many Jews that clearly said they are atheists. But if they were put into the corner where they have to make a choice between God or their lives, they gave up their lives. And Al-Tarebbe claims they don't even have free choice to do that. There's no Eimbereira. Why? Because since we are Jewish, we Yarshan Chachma. Since we have this Chachma, deep down, we know God. And once you know God, everything is different. So the Al-Tarebbe's new approach to the Benini will be that even if you don't yet have the power to concentrate, and through his Beninus, through thinking about the greatness of Hashem, to somehow <clears throat> win over your animal soul, at least temporarily, even if you cannot do that, as long as you figure out how to awaken or touch your Ahava that we inherit from Avraham Avinu, that is such a powerful love to God, that's such a powerful bound, bindings to God, that, that also gives us enough inspiration that during those moments of me being aware of my own Chachma, I don't have to struggle with my animal. During those moments, I'm good. And, and that's the whole goal. The goal is, is that as long as the inner person is aligned with my behavior, it's going to be easier for me to stick to my behavior. The challenge that we all have is, is that even when we want to do the right thing, something in me is taking me to the opposite direction. And the goal of all this is not to lower your standards, but it is to align, to lift up your innards, to lift up your, your pneumias, even by the bainini, enough for you to be able to continuously be an observant yid. God willing to be continued.